Pearl Church exists to express a sacred story and to extend a common table that animate life by love. A primary expression of our sacred story is the weekly sermon. If our sermons inspire you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully, would you consider supporting our work? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story. God, today, as we remember our story, will you continue to guide us, continue to open our minds and our hearts to where you are leading today and tomorrow. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in just a couple of weeks, the Pearl Church community will be turning 23 years old, the first, first week of August. Uh, yes, Pearl can legally drink, but we cannot yet rent our own car. <laughs> we like to take time each year to pause and celebrate and remember where our community has come from and dream a little bit about where we're headed together. Back in 2001, Steve Patty, Mike and Jen Roth, Joseph and Amy Reed, and Jason and Heather Rick started meeting together as a house church, attempting to be a church before offering church. And their Christian backgrounds were a mixture of denominations, uh, Evangelical Free, Plymouth Brethren, Foursquare, and Baptist. They decided to register Pearl as a non-denominational church with Steve Patty serving as lead pastor and Mike Roth as the associate pastor. And in 2002, services began meeting at the Paragon, which is a restaurant used to be just about four blocks that way, uh, and Eucharist was served from the bar, which I think is lovely. In 2004, we moved into this room at Ecotrust. We've been in this room for nearly 20 years. Just think, 20 years of these plastic, hard chairs. (laughs) And in 2006, Mike became the lead pastor. Also in 2006... We moved from affirming a lengthy doctrinal statement, like you'll find at many evangelical churches, to being grounded in the simple Apostles' Creed, which situates our community in the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In 2007, we fully affirmed the gifting of women to preach, teach, and lead ministries, and in 2010, we affirmed the leadership of women on our oversight team. In 2014, we made room for infant baptism alongside believer's baptism. And in 2015, we broadened our marriage practice to make room for gay marriage. Now, it's at this point that Pearl's story meets my story. And I want to back up a little bit to tell a little bit of my journey, how I got here. I grew up in an evangelical family in the San Francisco Bay Area, which means we were like California conservative, which is not the same as Bible Belt conservative. Uh, Our family was deeply involved in church, and I loved it. I loved the stories and the sermons and the books, all the books and the community. And by ninth grade, I knew that I wanted to be in ministry in some form. But by that point, I was also fully aware that I was gay. At no point, at no point did I even pause to consider whether being gay might be no problem. In my community, it was a huge problem. And I resolved to set aside my same-sex attractions and to follow God, even if that meant singleness. 
I moved to San Luis Obispo for college, and I ended up working for a church in my sophomore year. And I was completely sure, not a shred of doubt in my mind, that I was following God best by being celibate and even seeking to heal from homosexuality. I didn't have much contact with any other same-sex attracted Christians. But every now and again, I would hear about a high-profile ex-gay turning ex-ex-gay. And I remember judging them. I remember, in my eyes, I thought they just weren't faithful enough to following God. They had given up, and I wasn't going to. Plot twist. In my eyes, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't until a decade went by on that church's pastoral staff that I even considered for a moment if I had been misled about what God wanted for my life. I realized I had never asked these questions out of fear. Because if God really was okay with me being gay, but my community was not, then that was going to lead to all kinds of trouble. Long story short, I did start asking these questions. I did do the research. I did get extremely confused at all the arguments back and forth, pro and against being an LGBT Christian. I did have a minor breakdown, and I did flee to Australia for an entire month. I did backpedal, and I put the whole thing down, and I put my fingers in my ears for another year or two, as long as I could, but I did eventually come to accept that I had been wrong. I had judged gay Christians who accepted their sexuality, and now I was one of them. I did accept my sexuality as good, and I did lose my job. I moved to Portland in 2015, where I found a Pearl Church that had just, just made room for people like me. Pearl's story and my story. One more story. In the early days of the Jesus movement, all of the followers of the Jesus way were Jews. This was a Jewish reform movement, and observant, faithful Jews kept strict boundaries against mixing with Gentiles. And that makes sense because they had 500 years of history of other cultures trying to assimilate them and trying to get them to stop worshiping their God. And so they had good reasons to keep their way of life separate not the least of which was a scripture that told them to do so. But then, alarmingly, Gentiles, non-Jews, started showing up and following the way of Jesus. And the community had to decide, do we keep with our centuries-old, scripturally-based practices of separation, or do we welcome these newcomers and let our community be changed by their presence? And over the course of a few very bumpy decades, it wasn't smooth at all, but the earliest followers of Jesus decided to let their idea of God's community be changed and to release old practices and welcome these Gentiles. Pearl's story, my story, and the early church's story. Why tell these three stories together? Why, why take weeks like this and tell our history at all? Well, I think what ties these three stories together is that they're all stories of changing course. They're all stories of realizing that following God faithfully means something different than we initially expected. Often when we talk about faithfulness, we have the idea of someone who remains steadfast, who holds the line, who doesn't shift or doesn't change. 
They're faithful to a promise, to faith, or to a relationship. But I think in these stories we've told this morning, we see a different kind of faithfulness. What we see is the willingness to change course when we realize we have been wrong. None of these stories is a straight line, and none end up in a place that we could have expected from the beginning. The early church had no idea that it was going to move beyond being a Jewish community. When I was younger, I had no capacity to imagine being a gay married pastor. And in many of the, many of the things that we now love most about Pearl weren't in place when Pearl started. And yet, I think all these three stories show a kind of faithfulness, not an unyielding, fixed faithfulness to an unchanging, fixed way of being Christian, but rather a faithfulness to follow God wherever God leads, even if it's a 180-degree reversal. And even, and maybe especially when, that means naming that we were wrong. In every membership class we do at Pearl, we go through this story. We run through these bullet points. And for me, going through these changes, affirming women in leadership at every level, making room for infant baptism, making room for diversity of belief, making room for LGBTQI persons to belong, telling the story of those changes is in part an apology. It's to name that we've been wrong, that our community has been complicit in harm and exclusion, and that God has been drawing us forward. I think that's so important to name, especially as newcomers find our community and get excited about the inclusivity and the space we've made for people to deconstruct and reconstruct their faith. And I'm so glad. I am so glad that Pearl is providing a place that people are finding warm and welcoming and safe. And I think it's important that you know that we have been wrong before, and we are probably definitely still wrong about some things, and we will need to keep going together. The theologian Nicholas Healy has been really helpful to me in in thinking about the church well. Uh, He notes that we often take what he calls an epic view, an epic view of the church. The church is Christ's body on earth. The church has the answers and the theology and the doctrine that you need if you want to be saved. The church has it, you need it. But Healy points out that the church is not God's solution. The church is not God's solution to the problems that plague humanity. God is. And instead of an epic view of the church, Healy invites us to see what he calls a theodramatic view, which by that he means that the church, falteringly with many stumbles, is just trying to witness to this story of God. The epic idea of the church is very ancient. Uh, we, we so want to create an institution which represents God and God's truth on earth. And this is one of the things that kind of concerns me sometimes. When we get really excited, I want to celebrate Pearl. It's our 23rd birthday. I love Pearl. And I get concerned when we start feeling like, wow, this is, we finally found it, the church that got everything together. That can be problematic. In our reading from 2 Samuel today, we see King David. Uh, King David has just taken the city of Jerusalem, and he's turned these unstable 12 loosely affiliated tribes into a proper nation. 
So for the first time, we have the kingdom of Israel. Uh, but he notices that, uh, that though he now lives in a palace, he says, I'm living in a house of cedar, but the ark of God stays in a tent. The ark of God was still in a tabernacle, this movable tent going from place to place. And so he takes it into his mind to build a temple to honor God in the center of his capital city. I mean, that seems really faithful, right? But the story tells us that God is not so eager. He says, Did I ever speak a word with any of the tribal leaders of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? This, God is saying, this is not my idea. And I think part of what God seems to be resisting here in this narrative is the idea that the presence of the divine, that divine authority can be neatly identified with a capital, by a temple, by an institution. And this turns out to be exactly what happens throughout Israel's history. It's just too easy for Israel to say, God is with us, we are right, we are the good guys. After all, we are the ones who have God's presence in this building. This is the epic view. The church is light, the world is dark. God is with us, not with them. And this view makes it very hard to remain open to critique and to change. Well, that's just not what Pearl's experience has been, thankfully. Over and over, our community has had to take deep breaths together and acknowledge we have been wrong. We thought our beliefs and our actions represented God well in the world, and we were wrong. Rather than trying to build God a house, trying to take our institution and say, here is where God is, we have got it right, Instead, what if we allowed ourselves to be simply drawn into whatever it is that God seems to be building? In 2 Peter today, we read, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Here's the thing. We don't need to build God a house. We don't need to create an institution that unerringly represents true doctrine or right morals. God is moving right along through history just fine, pulling people together. Remember the context of the early church, this Jewish community that didn't expect ever to merge with the Gentiles. But now, in 2 Peter, we're told, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. In other words, you didn't plan on being community together. This wasn't your idea, but here you are, God's people, together. God built a house with room for both of you. Who knew? We could say the same for our community. I mean, when Pearl started, who knew that this little evangelical community would realize that it had been marginalizing women? Who knew? Who knew that it didn't need a multi-page doctrinal statement for belonging? Who knew that its stance on LGBTQ lives had been wrong? I mean, in 2001, who would have seen us all in a room together? Once we were not a people. But now, we're God's people. Now, if you're like me, all of this sounds really beautiful. And all of this, we could be wrong. And follow where God leads us language can really start to ratchet up this deeply anxious question. Well, how, how do we know where God is leading? 
How do we know if we're right? I think this is one of the really troubling questions for those of us who grew up in an evangelical background. I grew up in a Christian world where we had this clear bullet point doctrinal statement. It was full of Bible references, and it was clear beliefs and moral teaching about everything that we claimed had been the same for thousands of years, right? We kind of had this idea that, you know, Jesus believed what we believed, the apostles did, the early church. We blipped through history, you know, Martin Luther, we're back on track, here we go, right? It's all been the same, 2,000 years. Now, that turns out not to be historically accurate, but it's what we were told. It was clear what being faithful to God meant, and we thought it was unchanging. And now I'm standing up here saying, you know some of those things a church taught for 2,000 years? Oops, we were wrong. God's moving us forward. Now, I don't know about you, but the evangelical voice in the back of my head wants to say, wait, wait, what's going to anchor us? Are we just free-floating now? I mean, are we saying that God's will is whatever we happen to feel like this month? What's going to tether us? Again, I want to turn to our reading today from 2 Peter. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. Like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. You see, the cornerstone of the house that God is building, not the house we're building, but the house that God is building, that cornerstone is not us being right. That cornerstone isn't our doctrine. It's not our institution. It's not even our rhythms and values here at Pearl. The cornerstone is Jesus. Our cornerstone as a community is this sacred story that we have. It's a story that begins in a garden at peace, and it culminates and ends in a world that has become a city at peace, where the gates are never closed and all nations find healing. And the central move of that story is not us, it's not our beliefs, it's not us being right. The central move of that story is divine love extended toward us in the life and the death of Jesus. And we can talk endlessly about what exactly the cross means or what exactly the Trinity is or what exactly we mean when we say Jesus is the Christ or on and on and on. But the trajectory of that story is love moving toward peace. That story is the divine dream of peace for all. And the story is the divine showing us the way in the teaching and life of Jesus. This is the theodrama the story of God. In the house that God is building, the cornerstone is not us, but Jesus. And that frees us up to keep telling that story of divine love. We tell it to each other. We listen it to each other over and over again. And we let that story keep prompting questions in our day. If God intends to make peace, if the trajectory is love moving toward peace, to build a house for all people, then what would have to change? What would have to change in our lives or in our culture or our community or our beliefs? 
What would have to change to bring that peace more fully here today? Now, I'll admit, that's a, it's a really different kind of tether. It's a really different kind of anchor than having all of the answers up front. Essentially, what I'm saying is, instead of answers, what we have is a story and a question. We have a story about love and a question. What does it mean to bring that love today? It's dynamic, it's relational, and it leaves a lot of room for discovering that we as humans have not yet understood how good God really is. So we can keep asking. When I think back on the story of Pearl Church, what I'm most proud of is not where we've arrived, though I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful for where we have come to be together as a community. What I'm most proud of is the willingness this community has shown over the years to listen to the story of Jesus with fresh ears, for new resonances, for deeper implications, and to be drawn further and further into God's dream of peace. In 2001, Pearl Church began mostly as a church of young people without children, similar in background, age, theology, and expectations. But we have become a church rich in complexity. Our story is a story of ongoing transformation. From certainty to complexity, from dogma to life together, and from maintaining walls to breaking down walls of hostility. And all that ongoing transformation has come from listening carefully together to the story of Jesus over and over and asking, what is God building today? Now, as we take this morning to celebrate Pearl's 23rd birthday, I want to close by talking about money. <laughs> I know, that's exactly what you want the pastor to start talking about, right? Money. <laughs> you know, for years, Mike and I have really hated talking about giving, about, about finances, uh, because we all know, we've all experienced as churches that constantly try to get into our wallet or use shame or guilt to manipulate for donations. But we've come to realize that as a nonprofit organization, we are so proud of what Pearl is doing in the world. We are so grateful for this community of people who've gone with us on this wild ride of trying to live out the way of Jesus. And I'm so personally grateful that when I arrived in 2015, there was a church that saw me and made room for me to be my whole self. I'm so grateful for each person who sustained us through that transition and made room for me. And you know, we don't want to be a mega church. Uh, we're not planning to buy any jumbo jets. We just want to be a healthy community that keeps making room that continues being open to the story of Jesus and what God is doing in our world today. And like all nonprofits, we depend on a community of like-minded people to sustain our work in the world. So my attitude about talking about giving has really changed because I'm just so excited to do this work together with all of you, with your support. If Pearl Church is nourishing your soul and helping you dream God's dream of peace, there is so much room for you to be a part of what we're doing. You can engage warmly and relationally in our community events and in our home groups. That really builds up what we're doing. 
You can join one of the volunteer teams that makes our services and our events happen. And you can give financially to Pearl on our website easily. Pearl Church is not a perfect community. We have lots of room to grow, to be more inclusive, to figure out what God is up to in our world today. But being anchored to the story of Jesus gives me hope that we'll keep changing and we're going to keep finding ways that make for peace. I'm delighted in where our first 23 years has taken us and I'm looking forward to seeing what God continues to build this church into together. We hope that this sermon inspired you to ponder the sacred, to consider the mystery and love of God, and to live bountifully. If you don't already support our work, will you begin today? You can donate easily and securely at our website, pearlchurch.org, or follow the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for partnering with us in expressing this sacred story.